We're going to focus on one phrase from John chapter 3, and I hope you'll keep your Bible open to John chapter 3 for just a few minutes here. But the phrase is, born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Would you say that with me? Ready? Born of the Spirit. Say that again. Ready? Born of the Spirit. If you underline things in your Bible or circle them or highlight them, I wonder as you see it in John chapter 3, if you would want to underline or highlight that phrase, born of the Spirit, it's found there several times. Notice how many times Jesus mentions spiritual birth in these eight verses. In verse number 3, except a man be born again. Verse number 5, except a man be born again of water, and of the Spirit. Verse number 6, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Verse number 7, ye must be born again. Verse number 8, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus came preaching a new message, a message that was new to the human race. Understand, in the Old Testament, the first 4,000 years of human history, there was something mysterious about the message. There was an unknown, many unknown factors. The clarity of the gospel was not in the Old Testament as it was in the New. Now, man has always been saved by faith. It was said of Noah that uh, he, he um, found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It was said of Abraham that he believed God and God accounted it to him for righteousness. Man has always been saved by grace through faith. But it didn't have the clarity in the Old Testament. Why? Because Jesus had not yet died for sin and risen from the dead. And so with the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, with many other things, came the clarity of the message. We preach a clearer gospel than could have possibly been preached before Jesus died for our sins. So Jesus came preaching a message of the new birth, spiritual birth. He said, you must be born again. If you've been saved, you have had a new birth, a spiritual birth. If you've never been saved, you need to have this new birth, this spiritual birth. This new birth is called by several different names in the New Testament. For example, in Titus 3.5, it's called regeneration. In 1 Peter 1.3, Peter says, God has begotten us again. 1 John 5.1, the Apostle John says, we are born of God. But three times in the text that we read in John chapter 3, the phrase, phrase born Of the Spirit is used. You are born of the Spirit. And I want us to look at at it before we move on. Verse 5, born of water and of the Spirit. Born of water is talking about our physical birth. And of the Spirit is talking about our spiritual birth. Verse 6, that which is born of the Spirit. 
Verse 8, born of the Spirit. And so we're just going to take a few minutes this morning, and we're probably going to be very much on the brief side. Just to think about that thought, you have been born of the Spirit if you've been saved. Now, if you haven't been saved, I beg you to make Christ your Savior today. But this is not primarily a message to those who don't know Christ to try to get you to choose Christ. This is a message to everyone today who has put your faith in Jesus Christ to give you just a little bit more understanding and appreciation of what God has done in your life. You've been born of the Spirit. Say that phrase with me again. Ready? Born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. I want you to notice, first of all, that that is as real and as certain a birth as physical birth is. In fact, if I had the time, I would make, it, make the argument that it is more real and more certain than physical birth. But I won't go there for now. Just want to point out that it is just as real and just as certain a birth as physical birth. We all appreciate the power of physical birth. And we see that newborn baby. We go to the hospital and, and it's such a wonderful occasion, such a, such a great thing. And a new life has come into this world and we all understand, even the smallest child understand, uh, understands just what a wonderful thing that is. Listen, when somebody is born of the Spirit, it's just as real and just as certain as physical birth. The day that you heard the gospel, and you may have heard it before, but this time, something shook you to your core. Something grabbed you and said, I'm not letting go until you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Something said, this is important. This is real. You must not ignore this. And you found your heart crying, what must I do to be saved? And you looked to the cross of Jesus Christ and you looked to that empty tomb and you said, I want Jesus to be my Savior. It's not just that I believe it as a fact. It's not just that I, uh, uh, that, that I consent that, yes, I believe that he died for my, for my sins and rose again, but that I am receiving Jesus for myself. And at that very moment... You were born of the Spirit. Just as real and just as certain a birth as physical birth is. The Spirit of God, listen to this. If I were to ask you, what is the most powerful force in this world? I gave you a card and said the most powerful force in this world is and there's the blank I want you to think for a second about what you would write in that blank somebody might write the word love somebody else might write forgiveness (laughs) somebody else might write money The most powerful force in this world is blank. But I'm here to tell you on the authority of God's word, 
the most powerful force in this world is God the Holy Spirit. God has introduced himself to mankind in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Each of these three persons of God, first of all, it's it's one God. They're not three gods. It's one God manifesting himself in three ways. God the Father was the main character on the scene, if you would, for the first 4,000 years of human history. In the Old Testament, when Moses spoke to God and God spoke to Moses, that was God the Father. When God spoke to Abraham, that was God the Father. When it spoke of Almighty God in the Old Testament, it was God the Father. For 33 years, Jesus, God the Son, was the one who interacted with man on this earth. And then after Jesus returned to heaven, he said, he sent his Holy Spirit. In fact, before he left, he promised, if I go away, I will send you another who is just like me. And he sent his Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, it is better for you, it is expedient for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send the Spirit. Now, when we think about having Jesus among us, you'd say, how how is it better to have the Holy Spirit than to have Jesus right here where we could see him and touch him and talk to him and he could talk to us? Well, here's the problem. If Jesus were on this earth in his physical body, if he were here with us, that means he couldn't be at any other church in Danbury. He couldn't be at any other church anywhere else because Jesus was God in a physical body. That means if he was at somebody else's church, he couldn't be here. But, God the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He is not limited to a physical body. When we leave here today, even if Jesus were physically among us today, man, that would be so awesome. That would be unbelievable. It sure would. But when we left here, he would only go with one of us. I guarantee you, he'd be going to my house, not yours. That means most of us would go home without him because Jesus Christ is God in a physical body. But when he returned to, remember the story of Lazarus, when Mary and Martha sent word that Lazarus was sick and then they sent word that that Lazarus is dead. What was their whole problem? It was that Jesus was someplace else and he couldn't physically be there with them. Jesus is God in a human body. What a wonderful thing it is to have him with us. But when he's with you, he's not with me. When he was with me, he's not with you. But when he left, he sent his spirit. 
And the spirit of God is just as much God as God the son is. Except that we have to learn to perceive his presence. We have to have our faith strengthened to understand the presence of the spirit of God. And we have to let go of ourselves and let go of our flesh so that we can understand that the spirit of God is at work in our lives. So now, for the first time, since Jesus went back to heaven the last 2,000 years, we have had the Spirit of God not only with us, but in us. So the most powerful person, presence, or force in the world is the Spirit of God. His greatest work is the work of transforming lives. But before you were born of the Spirit, you had no part in the Holy Spirit. Here's the the crazy thing. Satan is such a deceiver. Listen carefully. Satan is such a deceiver. Satan wants to convince us that the world is having a big party and that you're on the outside looking in. He doesn't just tell that lie to Christians. He tells that lie to everybody. Even the cool crowd thinks that they're not part of the cool crowd. He's convinced everybody, oh, everybody's having so much fun, and you're on the outside looking in. But here's the truth. The greatest thing going on in this world today is the work and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And if you haven't been born again, You're on the outside looking in. The Spirit of God. Before you were born of the Spirit, you had no part in the Spirit. Born of the Spirit means you got saved because the Spirit of God did a miraculous, eternal work in your heart. Don't ever forget, you didn't get saved by accident. Your salvation was a very personal experience where the Spirit of God came down, moved in your heart, and got saved. The Spirit of God came down, moved in your heart, and you were born of the Spirit. If we had time this morning, we could go around this room and hear testimony after testimony of how the Spirit of God came down, moved in your heart, and you got saved. You were born of the Spirit. I was talking to Lucas last night, and I said, would you tell me how you got saved? He immediately told me this story, and I had forgotten about this, but not last year, but the year before. The first night, Dr. Williams was here, and Lucas was talking during the service, and Dr. Williams reprimanded him during the, during the message. But he said, the next night, I got saved. And Lucas got saved. I remember that the second night of, of Dr. Williams being here, not in 2018, but in 2017. But you have a personal story 
Now, you may not think it's the most exciting or the most glamorous story, and some of you, it's, you know, the truth is, I, we were riding home from, this is such a common story, this is how some of my own kids got saved, that we were riding home from church, and uh, I said to my mom or my dad, you know, I've never been saved, I want to get saved, and so they took the Bible and showed me how to, how to be saved, and you say, that's not a big, exciting story, you better believe it. It sure is. What made you ask your mom or your dad about how to be saved? The Spirit of God moved into your heart and said, you need me. You need salvation. You need Jesus Christ. You got saved because the Spirit of God did a miraculous eternal work in your heart. Born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit. Folks, you're not on the outside looking in. You're on the inside. You are on the inside of the most exciting and most powerful thing going on in this world. And I don't mean because you're inside of these walls. I mean because you are born of the Spirit. You're saved. When you were born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave you spiritual life. God had said to Adam and Eve that not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. But a strange thing happened. They ate of that fruit, which, by the way, I do not believe was an apple. I don't believe that fruit exists anymore. I know it wasn't a Granny Smith apple. Absolutely not. But they ate of that fruit. And guess what? They didn't drop dead. Oh, God doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Oh, no, they died all right. They died spiritually that very moment. Now, God was merciful and he was gracious. And several of you raised your hand this morning to say, praise God for his grace. Praise God for his mercy. God's grace is giving us what we don't deserve. God's mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. And God's grace and His mercy was already at work. Do you know the reason when Satan sinned, he was immediately cast out of heaven like lightning? When Adam and Eve sinned, they had to leave the garden, but there was immediately redemption. For them. Why is that? Because before God ever created mankind, He created a mediator. He created a plan of redemption in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when Adam and Eve sinned, God was ready for it. And God introduced the promise of a Redeemer in Genesis 3:15. And in the meantime, until the Redeemer comes, He gave them coats of skin to represent his plan of redemption. Well, what do you have to do in order to get a coat of skin? You have to take a life. You have to shed blood. And that first sacrifice was a picture of God's ultimate sacrifice that would come in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus would die for our sins. All of the sacrifices of the Old Testament, there always had to be another one. Because no death of an animal was good enough to pay for man's sins. But Jesus came and died for our sins once and for all. And that provided to us spiritual life. Listen, until you make Jesus Christ your Savior, until you are born of the Spirit, there's a deadness inside of you. 
There's an emptiness. There's something that nags at your soul. And you can try to fill it with all kinds of things. Listen, all, and I say this with compassion. All of the craziness in this world, all of the strangeness and the weirdness in this world is a result of people trying everything they can to fill that void, to fill that deadness. But it can only be remedied. By the new life that you are given when you're born of the Spirit. When you were born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave you spiritual life. When you were born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave you a spiritual nature. And your spiritual nature is where you have your appetite for God. It is where you learn to hunger and thirst for the things of God. It is where you have that desire to become more like Jesus Christ. Man, when someone who has not been born of the Spirit hears us talking about God making you more like Jesus, you'd be like, what what a wasted, what a wasted life to spend your life. Who wants to be more like Jesus? But that spiritual nature hungers and thirsts to be made more like Jesus Christ. And when you were born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gave you a spiritual nature. Ever since you were born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God has lived inside of you. I think every believer needs to take time on a regular basis to ponder the idea that the Spirit of God lives in me. Say it out loud to yourself sometime and just listen to yourself say it. The Spirit of God lives in me. Ask God to help you understand and appreciate what that means. In some places in the Bible, he's called the Spirit of Christ. So the same Spirit of God that lived in Jesus Christ lives in you. Say, well, man, how come he doesn't have a greater impact in my life? The truth is because we fill our minds and our hearts with so much junk. We're walking around thinking about what they said on the news, thinking about what they said on the view, thinking about the, the songs that we hear and, and the videos that we watched. And, and I'm not even talking about necessarily sinful stuff, just the stuff that fills our minds and hearts. Drowns out the voice of the Spirit of God. But since you were born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God has lived inside of you. Not only that, ever since you were born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God has been your personal teacher, your personal encourager, and your personal guide. The Spirit of God wants to walk you through your day every day. Not as a dictator, not as a drill sergeant, but as a loving guide. Stop looking at God as some kind of a, a, a tyrant. He's not. He's your heavenly father. And you say, well, if you're, you never met my father. That's not much of a good thing. Well, stop thinking about the bad examples of what a father is, if that's your case. And think about what God meant for a father to be. A loving, caring self-sacrificing, providing, protecting leader in your life.
That's what a father's supposed to be. And God is the ultimate father. He loves you. He's your child. He cares about you. And he has given you his Holy Spirit to be your guide. You can live on a daily basis asking the Lord, show me the way today. Even if you don't have a necessarily demanding day. Still, show me the way. But then when you come to those places where you're not sure what to do. How many of you had a time this past week where, where you say, I was, I'm not sure what to do here? Ask the Spirit of God who indwells you, show me the way. Show me the way. And then, by the way, proceed. And you'll be amazed at the doors that will open and the doors that will close. And the things God will show you. Trust him to lead you. Trust him to guide you. He's your personal teacher, your personal encourager, your personal guide. Ever since you were born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God has been bearing his fruit in your life. Now, there's nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit that we're told about in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But I have a hard time getting past the, third, the first three because they're so huge. And they're so contrary to this world. I tell you what, you want to see it, the contrast. So Friday night, we were in a crowd of about 2,000 people, mostly Christians, because it's a theater that is owned by Christians and a Christian cast and a Christian plot, the life of Jesus Christ. And so most of the people that come to this are Christians. Now you compare that to going to any show or a ball game or event where there's a big crowd of that size. You go to other events, ball games, anything, you're going to get cursed at. You're going to get beer uh, dripped on you, spilled on you. You're going to get pushing and shoving. You're going to have people racing for the door to get there before you do. But not this crowd. I don't mean everybody there was perfect. I don't mean everybody was hugging each other. But in this crowd of people who had the spirit of God living in them, you get, no, after you. You get kindness. Why? Because you've got 2,000 Christians in one place who are Loving the Lord who had the Spirit of God living inside of them. And the first three manifestations of the Spirit of God in your life, the primary three, love, joy, peace. Man, does this old world need a big old dose of love, joy, peace or what? I, you know, I don't want to hear people talk about, well, if I could just see a miracle, I would believe God. How about we just see some love, joy, and peace manifested through the Holy Spirit that lives in all believers? Amen. Especially in these times, man, that in itself would be a greater miracle than watching blind eyes opened. Love, joy, peace. And that's the fruit of the Spirit of God who lives inside of you.
If you've been born of the Spirit, let the Spirit of God work out His love, joy, peace through you. If you haven't been saved, I beg you today, be born of the Spirit. We're almost done. Ever since you were born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God has been working in you to make you more like Jesus Christ. That doesn't sound very important right at this moment, but I'll tell you what, when you see Jesus Christ, you're going to be so glad that you let the Spirit of God conform you, as the Bible says, to the image of Christ. You're going to be so glad that you let him work on you, that you let him change you. Last thought, ever since you were born of the Spirit, The Spirit of God has been your personal, soul-winning partner. What does that mean? It means when you go to share the gospel with somebody else, the Spirit of God who is within you is right there to do a work that you cannot do. See, all I can do, all I am is a witness. Do you know that? All we are is a witness. Think about a courtroom and think about a judge and attorneys and a jury. What does a witness do? A witness just gets up and tells what he saw. The witness doesn't have to convince the jury of what is true. That's the attorney's job. And nowhere in the Bible does God say that we're an attorney. Do you know who he does call the advocate? The Spirit of God. It's not our job to convince the world. The Bible said, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth is come, uh, he, he will, uh, boy, no, I confuse that with another verse. When he has come, he will reprove, oh boy, yeah. I memorized that when I was about 16, but I don't have it anymore. But um, the spirit of God will convict the world of, there it is, reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. He's the convincer, not me. I'm the witness. Tonight we're going to talk about how to lead someone to Christ. But the fact is we don't lead anybody to Christ. We're just a witness. It's the Spirit of God who is with us to say, you better listen to him, this is true. This is true. This is right. You need Christ. You need to be saved. And so the Spirit of God, from the moment that you were born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God has been your personal witnessing partner, your personal soul-winning partner. Have you been born of the Spirit today? Oh, don't, don't let a day go by where you lose sight of the fact that you've been born of the Spirit, that the Spirit of God lives inside of you, that you have spiritual life that you did not have before you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you here today and you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ? I say to you kindly, you're on the outside looking in. You're on the outside looking in. And I beg you today, be born of the Spirit. Be born of the Spirit. Father, I pray that you'd help us today to understand and appreciate the one.